Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast, where we discuss all things GRC. And then highlighting some of the things that seem to be, people seem to be not getting right still, this ongoing customer due diligence after you've onboarded them, which used to be problem number one, you know, servicing your customer and keeping them happy. Once you've got them on board, making sure that that customer is still the customer you onboarded and that they're behaving in ways that are consistent with the kind of customers you actually want at your institution. Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast. My name is Kwame Slusher. I'm the editor of the GRC Professional Magazine and GRC Professional Online. And today we have Naomi Burley, our Managing Director. Hi, Naomi. Hello, Kwame. So we just had our AML Financial Crimes Congress. Um, we was a very good event for those who didn't attend. Shame on you. Um, we, you know, we looked at the range of issues all the way from what's to be expected from Austrac all the way to you know, considering human slavery, human trafficking, modern slavery, um, compliance reports, um, whether Australia will meet fattest expectations come the end of the year, which is an interesting one, I think. Um, but yes, so Naomi, what are some of the, I guess, key issues that members should have come away with that attended? Uh, look, I guess it, it was working a bit backwards. Um, one of the uh, really reassuring things about it is we've spent, um, as you know, we've evolved this event from being... Uh, primarily around money laundering and counter um, terrorism funding uh, to um, to encompass a whole lot of other areas around financial crime because we believe that information shouldn't exist in silos that the information in your fraud section um, the typologies in your if anyone's looking after modern slavery in your organization or in sanctions all feeds into understanding because unfortunately the um, primary actors um, in this in these kinds of activities within financial institutions and, and other institutions are rarely one-trick ponies. They're usually, you know, quite often gouging you for money or stealing identities of other people um, from your organisation or using them within your organisation as well as then laundering the funds through. So um, that was reiterated, um, especially from Oztrack in the Suspicious Matter reporting. They were really, really encouraging organisations not to have information silos that it causes their biggest problem. Um, and I guess, again, working backwards from that with Suspicious Matter reporting, that really emphasised the need to make sure that all of those areas across the business understand what's required with Suspicious Matter reporting, that if something comes along and you think our law is being broken, that's your trigger point. Um, so really getting some sensitivity around understanding when you need to take action on, on submitting that report and how to put in a really succinct report. I guess it was reassuring to also know it doesn't need to be um, a well-researched thesis before you hand it in. You don't need to be absolutely certain of what's going on. You just need to have fairly reliable data and, and a sophisticated understanding of your business and what the customers should be doing to sort of go, yeah, that doesn't seem right and go with, that doesn't seem right. Don't bury the lead. Say that right up front. Use your keywords. If what you think is happening is happening, say it in the Suspicious Matter report. And then that gives all of the agencies who use that data something to work with as opposed to a sort of vague description or telling the story of how the transaction came to be that's not relevant. Um, so, that, look, I found that a really good session, having a look at those typographies, getting an understanding of why these are important to give visibility for domestic transactions and domestic issues in mm -hmm. particular. Um, and then highlighting some of the things that seem to be, people seem to be not getting right still, this ongoing customer due diligence mm. after you've onboarded them, which used to be problem number one, you know, servicing your customer and keeping them happy. 
once you've got them on board, making sure that that customer is still the customer you onboarded mm -hmm. and that they're behaving in ways that are consistent with the kind of customers you actually want at your institution, um, I guess. But yeah, that sort of plays into, into the overall themes that it really pulled out is that um, the need for much higher level understanding at board level of the how these players expose your organisation to risk and, um, and doing better risk assessments on your products. So it's a completely different um, style of risk management. I think that, that that is emerging clearly now. It's not the kind of, we've designed a product, uh, we think we're going to sell it to this kind of customer, we're going to do it via these channels kind of risk assessment and what's the risk to our organisation. This is a live action thing where, um, the players might not be interested in that kind of product now, but it be, it's become hot in, in another mm. product area and they've been picked up. So they're going to move. They're yeah. going to move all the time. So risk management in this space is a live thing that happens all the time and you cannot sit on a quarterly report. This is a, wow, we're noticing different transactions happening in here. Dive in, see what's going on. You need to think like a bad guy. There's not enough of that going on out there in, in these risk assessments is, is what sort of came through as a big theme. And... We are all really, really aware that there is a regulatory lag. It's not only the FATF thing, it's just the process of getting laws passed to keep up with what the bad guys are doing is not possible. Mm. It just doesn't move at, at the same rate. So as institutions, Austrac and your other regulators rely on you to understand who your customers are and understand what kind of behaviours are appropriate or seem inappropriate and to get acting on those and feed that intel through. Or regulatory change can't happen because there's no impetus for it. So, so some really, really big themes um, really came through strongly that it needs board support, it needs resourcing, it's, in, it's still really, really under-resourced for the complexity of activity that's involved. Mm. Um, and getting the right people in this market is is really really difficult um you know i mean we finished <laughs> we finished off with that theme um that it might seem like a lot of people want to get into um anti-money laundering and working in that financial crime space but it's not as easy as it sounds and um and getting really good at it is is um it requires a sophistication of understanding of risk management and your obligations and being able to communicate those really clearly and and handle, you know, have a have a big skill set in your arsenal, being able to understand data, being able to map out what's in your organisation, being able to sell your message up to the board, get it across to them very quickly, being able to do those live risk assessments and be across that kind of stuff. That's really unique skill set. Right. Yes. And and I I do remember there were also some calls, I guess, from um, from the questions that came from the floor as well as panels that came afterwards about p maybe having a bit more of an education piece from the regulator in terms of what's expected? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I think that, that that's, again, and, and even Austrac highlighted that, that um, there's sort of this assumption, I guess, that um, the pieces around Tabcorp and CBA, they were impactful enough and got enough headlines that a lot of the entities being regulated should have picked up those lessons, but the, the fact is it's not happening. And there's so much noise out there in that regulatory compliance space for everyone to listen to and so many mixed messages that um, organisations are struggling with setting priorities. Um, and the fact is that unfortunately, sometimes in a compliance space, um, 
there are so many multiple priorities. That's why you need bigger teams. You just need more resources because you can't go, right, we've got a top three. You haven't got a top three. You've got a top 300, um, unfortunately, and they all need to be addressed. So, yes, so there were calls for the regulator to get out and about a bit more, explain what they want. Um, the messages were really clear through from the judgment, you know, especially when Austrac sort of pared it down to what their expectations are. The standards have been set now. And I think that those messages are going to be consistent going forward. Um, we know that Austrac's a little bit better resourced. Uh, a lot of that is going to go into enforcement. So it's also important for those working in financial crime and working in AML to share their knowledge and share their experience like we did, like we had the opportunity to do on Friday. And I think another thing to highlight probably is that it was emphasised both by the regulator and other presenters that like the case, like the CBA case, wasn't that anybody was being particularly malicious on the organisational side. It was that they had a programme, it existed, but they just weren't necessarily going through with it in all their different business units. And that's that was right. the failure. You know, yeah. That's right. If you're, if you're way down in the branch, um, sometimes the financial crime messages don't get all the way there. Um, and, you know, when you've got a teller incident, when you've got a, 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 an intelligent teller machine incident, yeah. um, that's where it's going to happen. It's not going to happen back up in your data monitoring necessarily. And, um, yes, yeah, so people with great intentions in there and communication channels get blocked, risks aren't assessed adequately or not at all, um, and that's not exclusive to those organisations. It was just a really, really good example, unfortunately, uh, for the rest of us to learn from, is that that kind of stuff happens all the time. Products may have been designed for a particular market, a particular channel, and that evolves over time, and no one's monitoring that that changes. Mm. Um, and all of a sudden, it becomes ripe for um, use by someone you don't want using it. Superannuation is a prime example. It seems like a really slow-moving beast. You have to be working in Australia, you know, all kinds of conditions around that you would think is fairly good due diligence to understand the people who might be holding a super fund. Um, and yet they are instruments of criminals as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's still some question marks about the relevance of modern slavery to some businesses, I think. I got that impression. Yeah, I think yeah. so. I think it's not appreciated as a really uh, integral event. It's, it's, it's as a nice to have CSR, um, possibly a reputational risk angle. I guess the thing to re-emphasise around that is it's definitely something that is very, very complex. So like the compliance framework reporting, start early get an understanding of where it might be happening in your organisation or how you might be implicated and at least have your eye on it um, to, to even think about what you might do about something that's such a complex problem to solve um, because the last thing you want to do is sort of wake up to a headline and then be pulled before the board to say, okay, so why weren't we doing anything about this? Um, at least you would have be able to have a dialogue around what was in process, what you were intending to do and move on from there. But if you haven't even turned your mind to it, then you've got, you have no answers. And I think maybe coming down to the end here, one thing to mention um, in light of the ASIC forum coming around the corner, and in case people are wondering what's the connection between the ASIC forum and what we're talking about now, I think Neil Jeans, who was one of our presenters, um, did mention that there is a potential, and ASIC did announce it before, I think, for them to be looking at I think not CBA specifically, or maybe it was CBA, looking at their management and their role in terms of setting up the AML programs. Look, that yeah. was certainly the case. So yeah. after after that incident, uh, yeah, 
APRA, both APRA and ASIC were knocking on the door going, well, okay, so you've had a significant breach and you didn't tell us you had a significant breach. Yeah. So any kind of breach, I think that that's also the misunderstanding around how the Corps Act work and, and what APRA wants to know about things is that um, there was obviously going to be significant remediation. There was a big impact on the bottom line and as a prudential regulator, quite rightly, they would ask questions because for any other sized organisation, that could have been shut up shop time. So um, the nexus of all of this stuff and all of your obligations needs to be really clear to your board and, and as directors are dragged through the headlines as well, they're going to be starting asking questions, which is which is a double-edged sword. It's It could be really good from the point of view if you can get across that you need better resources um, and you need more people on this as well as technology support uh, or wherever else, however else you want to um, a, a tackle this problem. But also it means that you need, you do need to be across it. You need to be able to give them um, good answers to some tough questions and probably take them through an education campaign. What is modern slavery? What are sanctions? What are all these complex pieces of work at play in your organisation that happen no matter what, you know, you might not have made particularly active decisions around some of these things when you first open your doors as an organisation, but all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you need to um, be able to figure out and backtrack and do your due diligence on suppliers, customers, you know, all kinds of areas. Um, so, you know, it's just one of the facts of life of business. All right, excellent. Um, and I encourage members to join the AML networking group who have an interest in this area because this is a forum where you can discuss these issues and, you know, your concerns and find, I guess, potential solutions. Um, and also coming up maybe in a couple of weeks, we'll be looking a bit at the compliance reporting itself with Andrew Hamm. Um, he was on the panel at the AML Congress, but obviously because of Chatham House rules, I won't quote him from there. But he will give you, I guess, an overarching set of themes of what people were concerned about in terms of, you know, how easy or hard the questions were in terms of logistics of being able to do drafts and printing um, and the potential for some of those questions to maybe be minefields. And if you and to get them, and I'm going to use the phrasing here, get it wrong, <laughs> um, that maybe in the future you might find yourself in some trouble. Mm, um, is there anything right. else you want to add? I guess the other the other area I didn't touch on was we did have a session on technology and I really um, encourage members to actively seek out uh, and be participating in any of the kind of forums we have where we are discussing technology solutions. I think in this space when it is really difficult to recruit people, um, that technology may be able to help you with some of those more complex or mundane tasks and help you keep on top of this ever-moving feast. And the technology solutions being provided are maturing. They are collecting a lot of data and learning from the market itself. And, um, you know, I'm not one to encourage anyone to jump too early into it, but we are possibly hitting a really ripe time for um, technology uh, solutions where they've learnt enough They've refined stuff. Some of the way too early players are now back out of the market and we know a little bit more about what solutions are going on there. Um, so I would encourage you in the future to participate in any of those kind of um, demos we might have or any other events we have around that just so that it makes your mystery shopping a little bit easier. All right, excellent. Well, thank you very much, Naomi. Thanks, Juan. 
Thank you for listening to the GRC Professional Podcast. This podcast was produced by the GRC Institute and the original music was written by Rob Neary.